Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills, adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, the co-creators and co-stars of the brand new Comedy Central series, Corporate. Hello and welcome, Matt Ingenbretson and Jake Weissman. Hi guys. Hello. Matt, what's up with your name? I should have changed it years ago. It was a huge mistake. I regret it. It's Norwegian, and uh, it's never been pronounced correctly once. I'm sure I didn't pronounce it. You came it. close. Inga Bretson. Inga Bretson. Yeah. I watched Seth Meyers for the sole purpose of trying to see somebody else <laughs> who had probably <laughs> been prepped more than I was, and then was yes. uh, pronounced it. Yeah, I was thinking if it was the old days, you'd probably be like Matt DeVille. Yeah, Matt DeVille. But it's uh-huh. kind of fun to see, because I obviously know how to say it, but when people don't know how to say it and they have to say it um for like show purposes you yeah. see the fear in their eyes mm-hmm. every single time and it's beautiful i seem to specialize in guests with names that um they're not even necessarily hard to pronounce they're just bugaboos for me they're like, ju- it's just long and intimidating i just like when i'm not in front of a microphone eliza schlesinger no problem and yet somehow oh. when it when it's when it counts oh my god yeah nightmare yeah Impossible. she's just eliza yes <laughs> so how do you guys know each other for starters we have a boring story of how we met, which is that we did comedy together uh, starting about seven, eight years ago in L.A., and uh, if you've ever done started doing comedy, it's hell, and it's you grind it out, and every night is pain, and so it, when you finally meet people you get along with and share sensibility with, it's a huge relief, and Jake was one of those. Yeah, when we did so many open mics together doing stand-up, and open mics, if you've never done them, is anyone can do it it's literally an open mic so you get a lot of smart people but you get a lot of like homeless people or deranged people yelling into the microphones Maniacs. in the back of cafes and bars and it's you it's a war of attrition and so you find the people you think are funny and you are each other's buoys uh while you're on a sinking ship so yeah. you started around here and we started in la which is exactly what they tell you not to do yeah but then, i did a year in austin i did start in austin yeah i just was working out here and then started doing stand-up out of depression so i didn't want to move so i had to do it and i kind of think they say don't start out here but but actually, it's sort of like swimming with weights on. It, you're amongst the best people in the country. or mm-hmm. New York or L.A., I think, has the best comics in the country. And so you have to level up fast. I think, too, yeah. that there is... Back in the day, L.A. was the place that you came to showcase for big uh, agents and whatever. But there is an underground scene here. So you can sort of fly under the radar for a while in Los Angeles. i got to find that underground scene because I do a little stand-up. And I just am in rooms where I'm like, okay, I know I'm terrible at this. But I'm not sure I could win. In a, I, I have told the story a million times. But I did a pretty big show one time. And someone, one of the comics won out. And I'm terrified. This is maybe the fourth time I've done stand-up. And there's a couple hundred people. And he, uh-huh. comes, he goes... 
this crowd is amazing. You can just yell faggot and everybody will laugh. Oh my God. That's an amazing crowd. <laughs> <Jesus> <laughs> Christ. What did he mean by that? And I'm like, I don't think I can win with these people. Yeah. I don't think I could I could hone my craft for ten years and get a real tight ten and I don't think they're gonna <laughs> like the comedy stylings of Mike Tully. Oh god. If that is what they're responding to, I'm gonna go bomb right now. Can I ask yeah. you a and question? I did hard. So yeah. what is the emotional reason that you decided to do stand up? I don't think I have the emotional drive that a lot of you people, I judge... Because we're mentally ill. Yeah, well, that's the cliche, and Jake, I tend to think that you're dark to the point of actually maybe, maybe not like uh, being really depressed, like you might not be kidding about it. Matt, I haven't gotten a read on you yet. I'm more depressed than Matt. Jake is more depressed than me. Yeah. I kind of just because I always thought that I could, and I started thinking about doing it, and right around then, Burt Kreischer... Was like, hey man, you should do stand up. Come do a spot with me one yeah. time. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Then all of a sudden, it became this incredible. It's not a, a wish fulfillment thing because I didn't really have the wish, but mm-hmm. I I don't know how you feel. Every time I go into the comedy store, I'm like, I can't believe I'm this kid from New Jersey and I moved to Los Angeles. Yeah. And I'm going to be, I'm impressed with myself that I'm in in the audience in a club on, yes. on Sunset Boulevard because little me wouldn't have thought I would have no. even been that far. So huh. I'm just like playing with house money. Oh, cool. So you're, you know? you're having fun with it. I mean, because we've done it so many times that the joy's out of it for us. And it's just <laughs> sort of, it's not that challenging anymore to go on stage. You're like, yeah, whatever. It's easier to do this than talk to people one-on-one at a party. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'll just do this Jake's instead. Jake's famous last words. It's not that challenge. Stand-up isn't that challenging anymore. But it's not anymore. that anxiety-inducing anymore. Because sure, 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 you're like, sure, I know sure. the jokes and I know people will laugh. And yeah. because so much of it is voyeurism, they're looking at you doing that thing. And that's the, the, you've already won if you get on stage and you're not afraid. Yeah. Right, I knew what you meant. Yeah, it's challenging to to succeed, but it's not. That's kind of where I'm finally getting now. Is the challenge is be, is becoming about performing well. It's not about just yeah overcoming the fear. Yeah, being mm-hmm. comfortable walking up there. Yeah. You know, uh, Jake, you tweeted something not that long ago that Uh-oh. I thought was seriously profound. So much so that I've thought about it many times, <laughs> and I've repeated it to many people, and I may have even repeated it on the air before. Whoa. I'm going to paraphrase, but you said something to the uh, extent of, if um, you're feeling stressed out today, just look at all the emails from one year ago today that you sent or received and realize how little of a shit you give about any of them. Mm-hmm. And yes. it's so... <laughs> Like I actually, when I'm stressed, think about that. Yeah, well, I'm happy that my Twitter has helped someone <laughs> because most of my Twitter is just yeah. vicious and yeah. hurting people. Um, yeah, the way I try to think about stuff, and this is a little cruder, but I do mean this, is if you try to th- think back through your life about some of the people you've slept with, um, you can't even remember who they were or what happened. And the only reason I say that <laughs> is because... You think about the time how much you cared about that situation, how important it was to you. Oh, my God. I have to date that person. I have to sleep with that person. And then you do, and you don't even remember their name later on. Nothing really matters. I mean, one of the best parts about life not really mattering is that it doesn't, and you'll get over stuff, and that time erases all the stuff that was important, and you just got to move on to new stuff all the time. Shatner had a really good song about this, which is not a sentence that has ever been said before in <laughs> I don't know. His human cover language. of Common People was pretty good. Same album. Okay. He had, uh, it's not, is is that all there is? Because that's a PJ Harvey thing. But it's basically that. He's like, I just got up for all these situations in my life. If I get over this hump, if I get on TV, then then it'll mean something. And now I look back and I'm just like, why did I get so worked up about all that Nothing stuff? Nothing matters. Yeah. Who, who gives a shit? 
But you don't actually believe that nothing matters, do you? Because that's great in the short term. There was a baseball player who famously had the frozen ice ball theory, which is, uh, you know, 10 billion years from now, the Earth is going to be a frozen ice ball hurtling through space, and no right. one's going to care if I gave up a home run sure. right here, right now, which is a great way for some people of managing stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, you do need to say, I believe this matters to me because life matters, and I do care about succeeding in the places where I want to succeed and finding joy and happiness in my work and stuff. So you can't really believe nothing matters. No, I definitely believe nothing matters. Uh, (laughs) I do think, well, I think it's a balance between it's like the earth will explode one day or whatever is going to, the sun will explode and kill us all or kill whoever's living there at, at that point. But you do have to day to day. It's like, I'm hungry right now. So I have to care about this food that I'm going to eat right now. So it's a balance between like nihilistic thoughts, or I assume this is what most people go through of like nothing matters, but also I have to make money to live. I mean, because you- I don't really, at least I don't really want to kill myself. I do like living for the most part. I mean, you just have Put to make that on a T-shirt. But you just have to, you just have to make <laughs> nihilism work for you. Yeah, uh-huh. it's uh, because it's. The truth is that everyone dies and they're not going anywhere. Like you know what? You'll trend on Twitter for a minute and then you'll that's it. So it, yeah. So that's definitely true. Well, that's um, one theory. Sure. I mean, I I know it's true. So yeah. uh, <laughs> I, why is I, it so important to you to be certain that God doesn't exist? Because I think that the way that God has um, been purported to exist uh, as we were growing up, I think, in American culture is only through religions that are extremely demeaning to so many people and patriarchal and gross and outdated. And they cause sexuality to be screwed up and uh, they're racist and sexist and awful. And um, they stunt people's growth and they're full of myths that are horrific and childish and insane. And so I think that... Well, that's, um, that's all true of religion. We don't know but God. But that's how we most we, we people look well. at God. That's right. how most well, that's people look at God true. through yes. some one of the main religions. And yeah. of course, we can talk about God in a bigger sense. If something connects you to spirituality that allows you to live a better life, great. But most people are like, gay people are bad. And that's just the truth. And so you're allowed to punch up. You should punch up a religion. And I don't care. I, no, no one should be offended if I'm saying there's no God. If you think there's a God, me saying it shouldn't hurt you. But it does hurt people because they're insecure and they know I'm right. so let's talk about the show how exciting is it would you admit like have did you take pictures of yourselves next to billboards for the show and stuff like that we did we We took a few it's egoistic (laughs) narcissism why why do you have to defend that that's fucking awesome we We got a tv show on comedy century they got a big fucking billboard it's more just proof that it happened when no one remembers us in six months i'd be like no it happened yeah we went to the subway (laughs) and we posed in the in the exact pose that we were at uh, in the billboard. In the billboard. So that was just fun. It's like, honestly... Wait, if the we... train or the sandwiches? <laughs> Both. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh-huh. Yeah, and it's just sort of fun. I mean, it's just really stupid. I think it's just weirder for people who know us, who are driving around LA, or going on the subway. They're like, that guy? Yeah. Why, I know why do you that say, guy. Why do you say that? Because well, we know it's coming, but yeah. we're just people. We're just people. We're just random people, and our friends know us, and they're like, that guy? I think I was over at my house the other and day. And not even, yeah, not even necessarily like he doesn't deserve it, but just like, what the fuck is Matt doing on eight billboards while I drive around Hollywood Boulevard, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. silly. It's more just, oh, because when you grow up, you grow up with the myth of billboards and you grow up with the myth of TV. And, you, and then when you do it, you're like, oh, I'm dumb. So Isn't it doesn't that a matter. Shame? It's yeah. almost like the meeting your heroes. <laughs> yeah. thing. The closer you get to the prom 
promised land, it just makes you realize that there was never any promised yes. land. And it's, yeah. it's just graphic design and yeah. It's unfortunate and- that when I achieve something, it, it takes away the meaning from it. Because it's like, <laughs> yeah. I fucking did it. So it yeah. seems like anybody could have done this. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you're the only people who, uh, who feel that way. And yeah. the reviews, did, I mean, how excited or nervous are you when you see the hollywood reporter has put out their review of variety or which are as far as i can tell the reviews are uniformly really really positive they are yeah i mean you know i think we felt pretty confident about the product we um think it's really good so i think we were you know feeling like we would get pretty good reviews Um, but it is still nerve-wracking it's very nerve-wracking though because someone could just hate us for some reason or have a bad day when watching the pilot and be like this is the worst fucking thing i've ever fucking seen fuck these guys so yeah Yeah. it's it is nerve-wracking opening the link and being like i hope they liked it because we spent three years on this shit (laughs) you know three years of our lives in the prime did you get any awful reviews from any credible outlets yeah the new republic (laughs) i haven't read that yet but they keep (laughs) tweeting it tweeting how how much we don't understand corporate culture where every every other article's like they really understand corporate culture i mean i again it's i actually think that in the same way that i that i hate so many things that are broadly loved you sometimes you know you're doing the right thing if some people really hate it yeah sure you know you're, you're not middle of the you're road you're staking a claim to something and you're you're forming an opinion yeah um and i think that's fine it does it's a little funny because it's like wow this is really mean i didn't i didn't know anyone yes. could dislike me that much i didn't know that the new republic was still a print publication uh, yeah, yeah. I, it might not even be but boy will they not be watching <laughs> <laughs> well that's fun mm-hmm. um one of the, I don't know if paradox is the word I'm looking for, but one of the funny things about entertainment is that they need people who don't lead conventional lives and don't live in typical all-American locales to make product that can be sold to people who yeah. are leading normal <laughs> yeah. lives, you know, right. which is a roundabout way of saying, what the fuck do you guys know about corporate America? Uh-huh. <laughs> I, uh, well, I grew up in Texas mostly, and I went to college in Austin, got a degree in marketing and English, and when I moved out here... um most of the jobs I had when I first moved out here were just making a living while doing comedy at night were in large entertainment companies doing marketing, digital marketing, copywriting. So while I've never worked for Halliburton, I've worked for, I won't name them, but multi-conglomerate companies and have worked in offices that are sort of stifling in that same way. So a lot of the show comes from those experiences. And then I think, too, that what we what we wanted to do is not make a show that is so specific to corporate culture, but that is something that anyone who has ever had a boss at all can relate to. Someone you show up to work and this person r- rules your life, even if it's like Jake worked at a chandelier store and had experiences that we used <laughs> in the show. Just Wait, that, it's that like, one on La Brea? Uh, it's at Melrose and Larchmont. I don't want to give them free advertising, so I won't say about that. Well, there's so after. many chandelier stores at that <laughs> there intersection. Are so there many. are actually two next to each other, <laughs> yeah. and I worked at one of them. Gotcha. <laughs> Well, and it's funny, too, because I've noticed workplaces take on a certain kind of culture. Like, I don't—it's not a coincidence that the DMV is what people think the DMV is, because Mm -hmm. I think a certain—if you're just person X and you get a job at the DMV, you either go, God, this place is fucking miserable. I can't spend my entire life here. I got to leave. Or you're Patty and Selma from The Simpsons, and you're like, perfect. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and I I just think there's—to us— even though we haven't had a ton of experience working at the jobs that we're playing in the show, I do think that it's pretty obvious to us that the way jobs have been portrayed in media is false. Because I've never had a job that's 
fun besides working in comedy, but even that was hellish. You know, you have to work really hard to make something great. It's fun, but it's hard. And every single show about a workplace is just, even when it seems bad, it's like they all have friends. And it's like they're all just playing together in this mosh pit of an office. And I just have never had that experience. And we just kind of postulated that if we went darker, people would be like, yeah, this is much more what I feel. And I think we're right. Yeah, and I think, too, we, we wanted to use working for a corporation as a jumping-off point to discuss existentialism and what it feels like to live in America right now, which feels crazy and kind of oppressive and, and wild. Things do feel like uh, we all worried about too much information, and that was a Duran Duran song famously in uh, the 90s or whatever it was, and that just seems like child's play compared to we are, where we are now. Yeah. Because I think we... Uh, I had a. I was in college at the time, and a professor said that's ridiculous. Think about all the books that are at the library. Nobody says there's too much information at the library. It's just right. they figured out how to organize the information. <laughs> yeah. We haven't figured out how to organize it yet. Yeah, but at right. this point, there may be no. There may be so much information that it cannot be organized in any rational way. And one of the things I enjoyed about the episodes of your guys' show, Corporate on Comedy Central, that I watched last night, was this idea that we can make something a really big deal on. We can manufacture interest in it on the internet today. Mm-hmm. And that would be a titanic achievement, but it will have been forgotten by tomorrow. Absolutely. Nobody knows what happened to those little girls who got abducted in Africa. Except the people who abducted them. Yeah. They probably (laughs) But they're probably not on the internet. And they're probably not talking. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is. We do live, like, you get on the internet and it's just a straight up panic attack every single day. And you can't fault people for wanting to talk about what's wrong, but it does feel false. And, like... My daily life is just banal. <laughs> it's just like just stressful driving to work. That's more what I'm thinking about than these like enormous sea changes that are happening every single crazy day and honestly it's funny and I think the only way to sort of deal with the horror of the internet every day is to just laugh at it because mm-hmm. what else can you do? Do you think we're going to change like are people just going to say wait a second this is a unbalance we're we're this isn't working for us we're investing a lot of time and energy and you know mental and spiritual energy in this and and it just bums us out I don't think so cuz I think the internet and social media is a drug that everyone is addicted to <laughs> and so yeah. and so I think psychologically people are it's we're too deep in I don't know if we'll be able to fully pull out I do think there will be movements where people will kind of pull away from it because yeah. Like They're when people doing, try to quit smoking? Yeah, because there are just studies where it's like, this is hurting your brain and it's bad for you. Um, but I don't know if we'll ever fully pull out of what's going on right yeah, now. Yeah, I also think even if we pull out of like this current form of social media, it'll just end up becoming something else. I know. And I, just because like, that's kind of what our show's about is that corporations always win. And it's mm-hmm. funny. like there's You can't really do much. People are just going to be people. And uh, I remember seeing this, um, this picture online that's like, the joke was like, oh, yes, um, smartphones have really stopped people from socializing with each other. And it's everyone in the 1940s on the train reading a newspaper at the same time. Like, people are just the same. And yeah. we're going to find new ways to be miserable. And the companies are going to find ways to market off that. And all you have to do is just try the best to find your little own sliver of happiness. It's really hard. Yeah, you make your own separate piece. Yeah. The, bright, I, the yeah. bright side of the Internet and all that's happening right now is that it is like the civil rights movement has accelerated and since the internet has started and it's like mm-hmm. be like p- people with marginalized voices now have a voice and are getting heard and it's like it's causing a lot of friction but i think overall it does seem to be having at least in that sense a positive effect. i think there's a lot of positives to the internet it's just that it's always going to be balanced out with negative every every new thing is going to have positives and then negatives yeah i think it's a net win for 
there's never been a better time to be like the weird kid in a small town. Agreed. And there's never been a better time, I'd have to think, to be like a pretty sure I'm gay kid in a small town. And there's never been a better time to be um, a Nazi. Uh, so I feel well, like the, everyone the 40s has their were a place. <laughs> yeah, but now it's just accept it. Yeah, you're right. The forties were good, but <laughs> yeah, those were kind of the halcyon days but of it, Nazism. It is, it is good. I mean, definitely with YouTube and um, just even having access to all the music you want at any point. I know you, the joy of that. I know. Like, I mean, if we didn't hear something growing up, like we'd have to wait to remember what song it was. Now you can just type it in, and everyone knows what song it is. You can get it in a second for free. It's beyond the future. Yeah. But then the KKK also has a voice so it's tough I was listening to Nina Nina Cherry's 1990 album Raw Like Sushi on the way here today it's awful it's <laughs> is that Eagle Eye Cherry's sister that's what I heard uh, Nina Cherry right yeah yeah I believe they are related but then was she English or not because I thought that she was English doing an American accent because there's that bit and she's like what is she like <laughs> but maybe she was an American chick who thought it'd be funny to <laughs> I don't know she's a, a lady who made one really amazing song of course both Buffalo Stance and a really, really terrible album to, uh-huh. to back it up is all I really know about her. The addiction thing with smartphones is funny because I had I was just back in New Jersey with my son, and we can talk about child rearing at some point, but over the weekend, and I realized something very fundamental. My mom is all like just on her phone with Facebook all the time, and God damn it, I cannot have the same monkey as my mother. Like mm-hmm. that is the lamest thing on earth <laughs> to share an yes. addiction with seventy-year-old women. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh. I can't. Like, I'm just too cool for that. Well, I think yeah. that's what's going to finally get me out. Is well, I am too cool. Is for that, that suddenly Facebook will be for old people and not just like? And it kind of is. It's like becoming mm-hmm. for my mom is super into Facebook. She's sixty-three, young. Mm-hmm. She looks incredible. Um, Shout out to your mom. <laughs> very important. Um, <laughs> she still looks great. Um, but yeah, she's addicted to Facebook, and so I'm like, well, fuck Facebook then. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, we spend all this time erecting all these divisions between like here are my friends I do drugs with and here are my friends I'm yes. respectable with and yeah. here's the people who think that I might be fuckable and then here's my family and then we just broke down those walls and put them all together on Facebook. Insane. Also it's just I think smartphones for the new generation are mostly just pacifiers. Like they're not, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that's it's I don't know what to do. Do you find with your kid are you managing his relation? Is it a he? It is a he. Relationship to... I mean, to... he's free to choose, but so far. So far. <laughs> yes. Uh, his relationship to his phone? Because that's like a thing that you have to like choose for him a little bit, right? Yeah, for sure. So he doesn't... He's six. He doesn't have a phone yet. Okay. What, what I'm trying to do more with mixed success is to not like model the behavior you know i can't like you can't be the dad that smokes around your kid all the time and then smacks him on the side of the head when you catch him with a cigarette one day so Mm -hmm. if i'm not even if i feel like if i'm sort of fighting a losing battle so even if he doesn't see me on the phone all the time he'll probably still end up on the phone all the time but what chance do we even have and it's funny because coming back to the addiction thing my dad was a cigarette smoker who Mm -hmm. quit when i was three he said, for, I'm sure for his health, but he said for the reason that he didn't want me and my sister to of see course. smoking. Right. And I think it was heartbreaking to him when I did start smoking, you know, 15 years yeah. later. And now <laughs> I feel like I have to repeat that same thing oh, with my yeah. child. And I have the conversation with my wife and she's maybe a little bit less convinced about how important it is. And her job is it's like she manufactures shit in uh, her, her job is a lot of stuff in China. So she might have legitimate work stuff coming in at six, seven o'clock at night mm. when I can say, hey, I can put down my phone. Maybe she can't put down her right. phone. Right. Hard. It's tough. It's tough. Um, he 
yeah, he's getting already pretty phone savvy and he wants to videotape stuff and he already take a picture of me doing this and then let me see the picture. I mean, he's a, in the same way that we're product. We were products of our generation. He's a product of the world he's growing up. in. And you've also been giving him cigarettes, right? You're forcing him to smoke. Yeah. I've been trying to force him to drink, yeah. <laughs> which is funny. You because, want him to be fun. Well, because I thought by now he'd be asking for sips, and I'm kind of getting tired for wait, of waiting. Uh-huh. So the other night, it was like his birthday, so I was like, here, try some scotch. Yeah. I was like, it doesn't smell very good. I'm like, no, it tastes like, this awful. This was a bad yeah. year. This is poison. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 no. It's like they made medicine out of dead moss. <laughs> Try some, yeah, you know, and make a funny face to. So you guys, where Jake? I would just assume that you would be dead set against having children. I keep changing my mind, um, which I, is crazy because he was dead set against it mm-hmm. for a long, long time. How old are you now? I'm 34. Yeah, it sounds about right. I don't want kids because I don't want to give anyone me as a father. Um, I feel like I'm a little wild, and I've had depression. And also, I mean, I'm selfish for sure, but I just don't know what I'm doing with my life. I'm sure I could figure it out. Dumber people than than me have figured it out. But then also Trump was elected. So, you know, they helped elect Trump. So I guess the point is I'm scared that I would be a terrible role model. And I'm already an anxious person. And my father always said, the second you have a kid, you're anxious the rest of your life at least a little bit. And I'm I'm just constantly anxious. Like, I have a niece, and anytime I'm hanging out with her, I'm like, you're going to bump your head. You're going to, oh my God, uh, you're going to swallow that, da, da, da. Yeah. And I can't imagine having that kind of anxiety in my life. Mm, my kid's sick right now. It's not bothering me. <laughs> you feel fine. <laughs> He's with his mom. But right. you always want kids, though? Yeah, I did. I did always Did you have kids. a great... Um, childhood? Well, I don't know if anybody can say that they had a great childhood, but if you were <laughs> to check the boxes of, you know, my parents are together, a very stable marriage, oh, mine aren't, yeah. still live in the house that I grew up in. I grew up in a very corny small town just outside of New York, but I may as well have been very, very far away from New York. Yes, I think I had a very, very nice mm-hmm. childhood. Yeah, I mean, my parents are divorced. My dad's been divorced three times, um, and there's a lot of uh, Jewish anxiety in my house. And also... Do you like kids? That's an interesting... See, I think people think that I like kids more than I do because I really, really like... A ki- if I meet a kid, I'll like bullshit with a kid and f- fuck with them for a for a couple minutes. And I think that's so rare, relatively speaking, in guys that mm-hmm. people assume that means I'm crazy about kids. But usually, like, three minutes with your kid and I'm pretty much good on your kid forever. Mm-hmm. But the fact that <laughs> yeah. I want that three minutes is a strong indicator right. to people. So. Yeah. What I say about children is that all of the pain, if, you know, God willing, if, well, there is no God, but, you know, if, <laughs> if, uh, that's also just a shtick of mine. The universe, the universe willing, if, you, unless your kid gets some horrible illness or something like that, all of the pain is super temporary. Last night, my dude had, um, I have to think it was a night terror, which is apparently not unheard of. He just went to sleep and woke up crying and was inconsolable. And I don't want this, but I don't want not this. And it's a horrible, painful, uh, uh, you know, it's a frustrating place to be, and we were there for like an hour. But I wake up today, and it's over. You know, it, right. it leaves no mark. So all of the pain is temporary, and all the joy is forever. And mm-hmm. I look at it. You guys talk about the void on your TV show, mm-hmm. Corporate, on Comedy Central. To me, the void would be facing the very real possibility that when I die, it's just over. Like I feel like when I get into my um, my golden years, if I haven't taken the gift of life and perpetuated it and passed it on to somebody else if i haven't passed that baton i feel like i will have this deep soul regret of i'm just this candle. so that I'm, is, I'm, I'm this candle that's going to be snuffed out that well, that's it, the reason i would do it now my life is meaningless yeah and that is that is the reason 
I think about having kids because I'm a little on the fence is will I regret it someday? It doesn't come necessarily from a place of I want to birth life into the world. Yeah. It's like when I'm 60, will I have been like, oh, shit, I should have done that and now it's too late. See, you should have kids, Jake. You shouldn't. Yeah, yeah I just don't. <laughs> I, I mean, the the thing that I'm curious about intellectually is that love that is talked about. You don't understand what it's like to have a kid. You just, it's so unbelievable. You'll find it's the a most new side of yourself. It's the beautiful thing I've ever seen. It's, the, it's, the re, it's beyond. And I'm curious about that. I think that's really interesting. And I, I'm yeah. sure it would make me like... Um, um, a better person to some degree. It's just, I don't know. It, it seems like it takes over your whole life. For and sure, it's a it big does. decision. So you're like, you're you're basically saying everything I've ever done or can do, all my freedom is gone now, For and a that's a pretty big deal. I mean, yeah. that's not like a small thing. It's your whole life. So I, I don't know. But here's the other way that I look at it. Now, anything that I've ever done, I'll use. I'll use stand-up as an example. It's brought me a lot of anxiety, and it's not something that I'm like making money off of in any real way. But I'm really proud of the fact that I've had a couple of spots in clubs that I, you know, like the Hollywood Improv or the mm-hmm. Comedy Store that went really well, and I did it. And I know that most people would be too scared to even get up there. I don't think people are impressed that I'm funny. I think they're anybody who's impressed with me, like my personal friends, are just impressed that I was willing to get up there and try to do it. And that's just a thing that I get to take with me, that that's something that I did with my life. You know, I I, I finally am internalizing the idea that you should just start doing something really hard, like writing a novel or something today, because you are going to wake up and it is going to be January 23rd, 2019, whether you do or whether you don't. And you can either look back on that time. You know, like reality only lasts so long. The memory of that reality lasts quite a bit longer. So think about what you want the memory to be. We've talked about that with the show even where like writing and shooting the first season of the show was extremely difficult because it was our first time doing it. We were trying to do it really well. So we banged our head against the wall for months and uh, it was very painful. But now when I look back, I don't really even remember yeah, the pain. It's just like, and we did this and thing. now there's yeah. a show that we've made. So it's like, well, thank God I put myself through That's that. That's raising kids. That yeah. is raising kids. And is it, but is it the best thing you've ever done? No. <laughs> really? <laughs> but I do think your point that like most things that are worth doing or that bring you pleasure come out of pain, I think. So it's like embrace whatever you're scared of. Just do it. It's like, you know, you go on a diet and it sucks for a little while. And then you look in the mirror and you're like, why Why did it take me so long to do this? Because, you know, being thin feels better than anything tastes or whatever the, the saying is, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. Just yeah. invest. Your, if you're not going to have kids, invest yourself in something else. Like, right. don't. You are never going to look back on looking at your phone and be like, man. Thank- Twitter was on fire that day. Yes. My dad, I actually, when I was uh, in high school, I was playing a lot of video games. And uh, my dad one day was like, you'll never look back on your life and wish you had played more video games. And I basically stopped playing video games after that because I was like, oh, shit, that's right. This is like immediate pleasure, but I'm never, it's not building towards anything. Yeah. See, now you're going to leave here and make a baby. Uh I think what's going (laughs) to happen is I'm going to end up having a kid and I'm going to be like, I can't believe I didn't do this sooner. This is the best thing ever. Maybe. Because I'm so vocally against it. Yeah. I used to say that people like that, oh, you'll come around. And now I'm sort of like, if you think you don't want kids, you probably don't want kids because they are a humongous pain in the ass and they totally do. But if you, if, if you're like leaning towards doing it, then I would say, I would, I think all things being equal have, have children. People mm-hmm. who say it's the greatest thing that ever happened to them, 
some people don't have all that many great things happen. Well, that's them. the other thing is like I do live a pretty cool life. I feel yeah. like you get to be creative for a living, yeah. so it's a little having like a TV it is show on Comedy Central is better than having. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I um I think I just need to go on Prozac, and then I'll probably want kids. That's yeah. probably what I need to do. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe just need a simple chemical <laughs> fix. So, do you feel like I, I gathered that you don't, but do you feel like you're over a certain hump? Like, aren't you? sort of made-ish men. I know that you are not automatically TV stars for the rest of your right. lives or any, or you don't get to just make a string of series sure, for the rest sure, of your sure. life. But don't you, aren't you just like a couple notches up career-wise for a long time, no I, matter what happens with this series? I think so. Or I mean, I think that like, I mean, you never know what's coming and things are much more disposable these days. But at the very least, we've now made a TV show so mm-hmm. we can go to somebody else and be like, well, we made that TV show. We can make another TV show. Yeah. And disposable in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. You know, I wouldn't have seen the IT crowd if it weren't for this That's true. day and age, you know. Family it is nice that things back. do live online in a new way where you don't have to, like, find a DVD of it somewhere. Yeah. You know? Somebody somebody will write to you. You know, you'll meet somebody 10 years from now who'll be like, oh, I just watched that. That's so yeah. cool. I, that, that's nice. I do think the entertainment industry is built on fear, though, and so there's this idea that you won't work. Like, we, I don't think we're aware of our value, and so many things that executives and agents and managers do is try to hide your value from you because you don't know what you can get mm-hmm. until they have to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. And and so I think if the show is a hit, and I think it's on its way to being pretty popular, um, is it doing well? I think it's doing well so awesome. far. Cool. Yeah, I mean, um, I think so, and yeah. it's good. And like, I think it just needs some time to percolate. But um, that's great. But there's still that fear. Like, if honestly, I think that fear is helpful. You don't want to get complacent. You want to be like, nope, I got to be even better. I got to be even better. I got to do more. I got to because I'm just still worried about paying rent. Even though I can pay rent right now, I still have that terrible jewish concern that it's all gonna be stripped away but that does help me get up every day do you get laid more already from this i i mean i I was dating someone for like a year and a half so Uh, yeah and honestly that's helpful (laughs) because it's too it's too distracting to like think about all that stuff because you really i don't i i don't drink or smoke pot so i just i love my cats and i love being at home um i masturbate more um, so that's good to relieve more anxiety. <laughs> so that's pretty of, much the same. Spoils of success. <laughs> yeah. Was this the only? Have you guys pitched other shows before? Oh yeah, yeah. I sold a project to Legendary once, yeah. years ago, mm-hmm. and Jake Pat and I uh, came very close to selling something to Paramount once, but it fell through actually because of my project with Legendary. We shot a pilot for MTV. We Matt and I created a show. We shot it for MTV once, and I've sold something with my sketch group to IFC, and pitch, we pitched a bunch of different shows. And uh, if anyone is looking out there for advice, you just you have to pitch a lot of stuff, and then one of them eventually, hopefully, will go. But it takes a long time. Yeah. Was this one better than the other ones, or it was just kind of time? It was the right situation. Um, I think so. I think too. It was specific and broad enough. Like we knew exactly what it was, and it was also something that could appeal to a broad audience. So it worked in that way. Yeah, and it's just it, it really is a little bit. It, I my father always told me you create your own luck, and mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit lucky how this situation came to be. But the reason why it's lucky is Matt and I were doing stand up religiously for a very long time. We were very good at it. We were also making sketches constantly, and so we got this opportunity with Comedy Central to build a show around us. And that's the one that worked. But we we put in so many years of work. And so then we got an opportunity that seems lucky, but 
It's just based on hard work. Destiny favors the well-prepared. I mm-hmm. agree. So you're talking about the show being broadly accessible. Are you sure about that? <laughs> well, only in the sense that it's about working at a workplace where yeah. it's like um, we're mm-hmm. weird. We're weird people. The sketches we have made online are bizarre and strange and mm-hmm. brutal. Um, and yes, ours is very dark and satirical, very dark, but also very funny. And it is about working in an office. And I think sometimes the things that we... Th- some people call brutal or insane people just go that's my life we've noticed a lot of reactions like lol that's my life you know and mm-hmm. so i think it's broad it's as broad as we can be i gotcha um how much of a free hand do you get creatively from comedy central i feel like they're pretty good about they're pretty i feel like good. they just let people sink or swim right they say you guys pretty much what the hell do we know a lot of people get their turn here on Comedy Central. Uh, this is your turn. Not as what? much as that, but yeah. if you come in prepared with a point of view, which we definitely have, and we yeah. made a lot of things, and we're very we're A plus students, and if you explain to them why you want to do a thing a certain way, if they're skeptical at first, they will give you a shot, and they've been very fair to us, and the notes have been good. Yeah, I think that I have friends who develop and make stuff at like CBS, and that experience is wild, and definitely things are shoved down your throat in a way that they are not at Comedy Central. They that's I mean, man, that's yeah. to me that's like the 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 the, the long term Vegas stand up residency and the having a successful network sitcom just seem like the ultimate mixed blessing entertainment prize. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, Comedy Central has been good. And like, if you have, if you think things through and are kind of an A plus student, they'll let you do your thing. Yeah. You almost have to just have like a pretty boring, like in terms of like sleeping, a lot of people, like we just, all we do is work. (laughs) We work very hard. Um, and we just try to be like nerd writers who like kind of write as well as possible and always have an answer for what we're doing. Always just be kind of like perfect at what we're doing and show up on time and do all that stuff and that's how things work like you know what i mean we're not really trying to live a wild life we're just trying to make things constantly and live like a nice life and eventually both have kids yeah right yeah you'll get there uh nobody ever asked you to make it a little bit less dark or anything like that no they did yeah 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 there are always they the way they say it is they always um say it in ridiculous ways. there are concerns about the tone right yeah. um but i think our point was First of all, my point about darkness is I don't think it's fair to call things dark because I think darkness much more accurately reflects life than the escapist entertainment that is often on TV. And so uh, what you call dark might just be reality. And a lot of people find catharsis in what a lot of people deem to be dark humor. And also um, cable TV is such a niche industry now that you need to be bold. You need to have a very specific point of view. You're trying to get a cult audience, you know? Like, it's not... You're not trying to be the Big Bang Theory and just be the worst, most boring thing ever so most people can just let it anesthetize them. You're trying to, like, have a very specific audience that gets obsessed with it and that comes to every show and, and, like, buys every piece of merchandise that this is the thing they're missing. So I think in the end... We just wanted to go for something that felt unlike anything else. Right. Yeah, it's not broadcasting anymore. It's it's narrow casting. Yes. Is really mm-hmm. what it is. So is there anything in particular that you wanted to do on the show or still want to do on the show that you couldn't either because the network wouldn't let you or because of budgetary concerns? Yeah, we wanted to. 
Before we understood budget, we yeah. wrote an episode where the entire building burns down yeah. and then blows up. <laughs> and then the CEO flies, gets, away, on flies a away on a helicopter, hanging on to the legs of the helicopter. And yeah, they yeah. were like, guys, this would cost your entire budget for the season. We're like, oh, we didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> We've never made a show before. Uh, so you yeah. learn stuff like that quickly. And you learn how to write for budget. And we have a great producer, Nate Young, who just makes these crazy ideas it tells us how we can do it realistically. You just have to kind of learn how to get how to you you get smarter as a producer when you write for a TV show. You you write like a producer would, um, and mm-hmm. so you still can do crazy things, but you have to be smarter about it. You can't just blow stuff up to blow stuff. Yeah, up. it's a weird unless le- it's animated. That's right. It's a weird lesson we had to learn that we knew, but then continue to relearn, which is that whatever we wrote, we then had to go do like two months later. So right. like. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, we wrote in that I had to get hit in the face with a basketball. Like, somebody just point blank throws a basketball into my face. And we're like, this is going to be so funny. And then cut to two months later, I'm standing there and somebody's throwing a basketball directly at my face. So many times. Yeah. And I was like, oh, right. You you just don't think about it. You don't, yeah. You do do after it happens once. Because I know on the other radio show that I do occasionally, it'll be like, oh, let's do this thing that's going to cause us a bunch of pain. That would be funny. And I'm like, well... If it was only the pain that I endured when it was happening, that would be one thing. But mm-hmm. often it means that everybody has a faint laugh, or maybe they don't for thirty seconds, and then I endure discomfort for like a weekend. That's right. Following that, and I've done the math and decided that's not worth it. People don't realize like the guys from Jackass, their lives are ruined now. <laughs> like, like they they suffered. I do for think, their art. I do think for them it was worth it. I did. I do really enjoy watching jackass it was worth it for me yeah. but i don't think johnny knoxville can come anymore <laughs> there's a pill for everything yeah. i think he's got a, i think he's got a couple of them oh. i loved the montage at the beginning of i think it was the second episode of uh what happened the bananas oh yeah uh-huh. like uh-huh. what so it's a banana grows on a tree and yes. it ends up being spoiler alert a thing that is neglected in uh well, a, it gets a, transported an across egg. oceans and yeah. you know thousands of people interact with the banana and then yeah that came out of um uh when I was in uh college, not to brag, I went to college. Um I uh read this essay called I Pencil that just was describing how like every single object in front of you has this history to it that where millions of people inadvertently interacted with this thing, whether it's like creating the plastic on your coffee cup and then that was passed off and like there's this whole history to it and then you tr- it gets to you and you treat it like it's bullshit basically even though it's this miraculous item right know? and they, they, nobody could make a pencil there's not one person on earth who that's exactly who right could, who could make a pencil yeah. you, have you read this essay maybe i may have gone to college a little <laughs> bit myself and just the <laughs> amount of food we waste the amount of things we waste, all the unbelievable things about the world are often just thrown away and that's just really funny it's <laughs> it, it, it is and it's insane and that's one thing that raising a child will really show you is uh, my my kid's at a point where he doesn't need any more toys but mm-hmm. it was just his birthday and we live in la and our family's in new jersey so when we're there here i'm like don't don't give him anything for his fucking birthday. He will forget he got it the second that he. But I'm not going to tell my. I'm not going to tell Aunt Franny she can't get him a birthday gift. Mm-hmm. And it is just like the cards, the wrapping, the packaging. This is just yes. trash. This is just landfill. <laughs> and it's so depressing. Like, yes. has anybody just made the documentary? This seems like um uh, uh what's his face Morgan um sexual, yeah sexual whatever yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Just if you were to take stock of everything that was in your home. 
and then just go and see where everything in your home ultimately came from. Oh. I don't even know if you'd be able to live with yourself. No. no. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> no, you cannot. And I think, too, that that's, like, that's what's interesting to explore. That is just that, like, it's, it's easy to try to think that you shop responsibly or whatever if you try to do that. But the reality is if you trace almost anything back too far, something terrible happened along the way that you're now complicit in. Every country's <laughs> genealogy is just horrific. Yeah. Like there's no – everything's bad. I mean, but that's kind of what the show we're making about. It. Everything is really rough, but what else are you going to do? Like capitalism is a horrible system, but we can't think of a better one. So you just have to suffer inside of it. Isn't there a way – well, I agree with everything you said except for the very last clause of that sentence, isn't there a way that you could decide to live a more enlightened life? Like, you don't, you, need to, you don't need to engage and participate fully. Correct, yes. Well, yeah, but still, I think a lot of the ways are still a reaction to capitalism. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you cannot participate, but but then you're still probably doing something that you can't avoid that is bad. Like, I'm a vegetarian, but I wear moccasins and they're leather. Like, I can't do anything about it. I once tried to get vegan shoes, and they don't have them in my size. So it's just like... Vegan shoes sounds really depressing. Yeah, and it's yeah. just sort of like... But it's funny. I mean, at least we can laugh about it. Well, laugh now, cry later. You just read this stuff, and you have to... Because we do have so much information, you know, you do just have to... Uh, just throw some things out and be like, I can't internalize that one. I've, I've got enough on my mental plate as yeah. it is. Boats apparently are a bigger problem than any of us realize. Really? <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> cool, new thing. Anything oh, no. I can't do. Yeah, you can't like boats anymore. <laughs> so get ready, get, get ready to, to freak out about this one. So boats... Uh, are massive polluters and boats are a big part of uh, like moving shit around and all that. If boats were a nation, <laughs> boats would be the seventh biggest polluting nation on earth and we just don't oh, think about them because yeah. they're at sea. Yeah, right. and we're trying our best. I mean, that's the thing. It's like the, the <laughs> earth doesn't have, the earth has an end date and uh, we're trying our best um, and just do whatever you can to be happy. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, uh, Jason Ellis, the guy that I do my other radio show with, made a great point and I, and I actually take some solace in this. The earth ultimately will be just fine. It's just the yes. ecosystem and that sure. we live as we know it. And, and we deserve it. Yeah, well, we had a good run, and maybe this is the natural conclusion uh, for us. But the person in this little Economist article that I read about boats was saying to to spend time on a boat is to fully understand that we are denying our great-grandchildren the things that they will desperately need yeah. in order to provide our children with all of the things that they want. Right, and the wow. best part is you're not going to be alive when you're great grandchildren are alive so you don't have to feel guilty well that's the problem is there's no way it's so difficult to actually feel feelings for things that are not directly in front of you so like either generations in the future or Mm -hmm. people who live in other countries it's difficult to have true empathy for any of that yeah do you know what i mean like practical empathy like you can pretend you do well, and many people, and it, many people do. There's a whole political party yeah, <laughs> made yes. out of it. Yeah, <laughs> Intellectu- intellectually, you you choose to have empathy for them, but you don't feel it, and that's why it's easy to like throw away bananas when you don't want them. Or well, whatever. you don't feel it, and you don't act. You know, your actions do speak louder than your words. Mm-hmm. If you truly cared, it would. Uh, another horrible thing that I read in the Economist, which I should probably now that I'm thinking about it, unsubscribe to, mm-hmm. uh, is the greatest indicator of how horrible you are for the planet is how much money you have because there right. are all these well-meaning people but they make money which means they have 
bigger houses, which cost a lot of money to heat and to run and all that, and right. they tend to fly a lot more than so. Yes. The irony of this is, as I understand it, is that there's a bunch of like poor shit kickers who say fuck the environment, but are not actually <laughs> fucking the environment because they can't afford to. Yes. Meanwhile, all of uh, you know the Matt right. Damon's of the world, well, the do gutter do gutters are killing it. Al Gore yeah. flies in private jets to talk about saving the environment. You know, there's yeah. a perfect joke. He yeah. can't. I know he can't fly. What's he gonna do? Play. Yeah, can't fly. Coach. He'll, he'll but I'm a, just saying, he's constantly yeah. taking a break. It's like, but what else? There's nothing else to do. It's yeah. so funny. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think too that it's also like America. We're in a place where we get to now, so, or some of us get to make choices to live more enlightened lives. But that is, in a lot of ways, a privilege. Where it's like we're now trying to not allow India and China to have their industrial revolution and like get to the place that we are, and in doing so, they'll end up destroying the world because there's so many more of them. It's so funny though, and that's why we make comedy. <laughs> <laughs> like at least we can yeah. laugh about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I do think that we're the lucky ones in in the very dark and limited sense that at least we are still talking about our great grandkids who will probably not live to see at least into their horrific dystopian adulthood. Right. Because for the longest time it was, you know, guys in a hundred years, this planet's going to be uninhabitable. And Mm -hmm. then it was like, you know, uh, if we don't get this shit together by 2030, at least I'll probably never really be a sentient individual around my great grandkids. Like my kid is going to know some real worry when I've thought about your kids, you, our children are fucked. We're going to, the rest of our lives are going to be totally fine. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see a few it's bad awesome. things, but our kids and their grandkids are going to truly see some horrors that oh, we yeah. couldn't imagine. Do you really believe that? Yes. Yeah, I guess I do too. <laughs> yes, you do. Too. Holy shit! But it's hard to actually internalize it. But I do think that that's what. At least that happen. means you should follow your dreams. Because why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're on a pretty bad trajectory. So smoke them, smoke them if you got them. <laughs> yeah. Is it hard to talk about your? TV show in comparison to Workaholics without seeming to shit on Workaholics? Not really. I mean, I think it's a really good show. It was an enormous hit. I doubt the Workaholics guys even know who we are. They're so famous. Um, but no, it's just a totally different sense of humor. I mean, God, I wish we could be half as successful as them, you know? So I was trying to think of your show, as I'm sure many other interviewers have, in regard to the other classic office comedies, Workaholics, Office Space, mm-hmm. The Office, mm-hmm. what have you. And it occurred to me... I always thought Mike Judge is somehow still sort of an underrated genius. Always the best. For as great as he is, his name just doesn't come up, But I think Mm -hmm. because he keeps such a low profile personally and doesn't market himself. Office Space so amazingly nailed the problem, but if you think about it, it doesn't really offer any solution. If I remember correctly, the end of Office Space is that the dude quits his office right. job and goes and works construction yeah. where, like, which is going to be really cathartic for an hour or two I was just thinking about that that the solution <laughs> is to quit and go work in construction it's like you're going to break your fucking hand and this is going to be miserable for <laughs> yeah, you your back in, is oh, going to hurt yeah yeah, you're going to make less money probably yes. you know, I don't know what the union situation was wherever Unitech was or, or, or whatever so I guess that's kind of the last thing I wanted to ask you guys is you have also pointed out the problem and anybody who's ever even walked through an office can mm-hmm. understand it's just, I mean, this place is an office that you're in right now. Oh, yeah. It's a cool office. Corporate job. We still have, you know, a water cooler, and people do still want to have 
stupid conversations next to them. It's it's pretty awful. Mm-hmm. But w- what are, what are you going to do about it? Well, everyone should quit their job and pursue stand up comedy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if people realize there's actually a pretty massive uh, shortage of comics or would be <laughs> yeah. comics. No one talks about we comedy. No one's comedians. doing comedy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we necessarily have a solution, but I do think what we tried to just explore in it is that it's okay to be sort of miserable where you're at, and you should try to make your life better. But laugh about it. Be creative. Yeah, that's the only thing we figured out. We still work a corporate job. What do you making. What do you think is the solution? Have kids? Nah, yeah, that's part of it. That's for sure. I just try to pack your life full of as many meaningful things as you possibly can, and try to minimize the extent to which you have to participate in things that are meaningless or, or aggravating. And I do think that there is a meaning of life, and I think that life is the meaning of life. Like it's in the same way that beauty is its own excuse for being. Life is its own excuse for living. Mm-hmm. So just why waste your time with the lame stuff? I do think, too, that there is a lie or, or a myth um, out there that you should. It's the if you find a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And I so I think people are constantly a state of frustration with their own situation, hoping that there's something better out there. And I yeah. think that there oftentimes is and you should pursue better things. But I think that... Um, you should also settle and just make the most of your situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been working my ass off here for the last yeah. hour. <laughs> Thank you guys very, very much. Um, and congratulations on the show getting existing in the first place and airing and on the great reviews and, and, and on how well it's doing and hopefully how well it is going to continue to do. Thanks very much. Uh, Corporate airs Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. 9 central on Comedy Central. <laughs>